0: Everybody, to another episode of D pads and dice rolls. This is episode number 11, and we're continuing our series on console generations. This is part two of the series. If you haven't listened to part one, go back, download it, pause this one, go listen to that, come back.
1: Yeah, like what are you doing if you haven't? I mean, people, you can skip it, it's fine. Don't listen to him. You're just pulling the 90s nostalgia, skip it. You guys remember skip it? All right, let's get to the episode. All right, well.
0: You guys already heard their voices, but I'm joined by Greg and Adam. Hi, I'm Adam. Yep, I'm Greg. Amazing. Yeah, so enough of the shenanigans. Let's get started. We're going to start off, as we usually do, with what we're playing. Greg, do you have anything new, or are you just still grinding that?
1: Still grinding. Playing with friend of the show, Sean O'Rourke. And uh, yeah, just continuing on that WoW train. Yeah, marching slowly towards the expansion back.
0: Okay, so is the expansion pack out now, and you're just trying to level up a bunch of characters to play it, or is it just not out
1: yet? It's not out. No, they said by the essentially by the end of the year. Um, they haven't given an official date because of COVID, which makes sense. Speculation is sometime in October at the earliest, but probably more likely November.
0: Got it. So a friend of the show, Caleb, says that you are trying to level up every single class. Is that true?
1: That is Correct. And I haven't seen Friend of the Show Caleb on for a while, but that could be because he has a, a brand new baby that's keeping them up all night. But yeah, I'm almost there. I only have two more characters. Dang. Isn't wait, yeah. how many classes are there? Uh I wanna say twelve, but I've been doing that. I've been on that for like twelve years, on and off. It's been like slowly been my little pet project as i've played it on and off over the years and so i'm I'm close enough now i only had like three or four other characters to do and and i've done two of them so it's really really easy to level right now
0: uh because of experience share with friends or
1: no they have a they have a buff where it's it's plus it might be a hundred percent experience like it's it's crazy fast especially if you know like where to go and and you don't need to if, if you've already seen the story and stuff, you can skip cutscenes. And if you have flying, then you can get places fast. It's it's a whole thing. I'll be ready to show you how to do all that once you pony up that that monthly subscription. <laughs>
2: yeah, Adam, how are your WoW playing going? You know, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not doing that. You took a break. I yeah, I took a break that started in 2007, and I just never came back to it. I did I did play for a little bit back in the day. oh I didn't know that yeah way before I think leading up to this first expansion pack. And then once that came out, I was like, nah, I don't I don't need to do this. I get it. I totally get it. I have been finishing up Final Fantasy VI. I am very close to the end of finishing Yakuza Zero, which I'll be finishing on my Twitch stream this Saturday. So if you're listening to this probably tomorrow or it's already done.
1: I will be watching that. I did set a notification so that it alerts me when you go live. But for those who haven't found you yet, what is your Twitch name?
2: It is medium underscore quality. So I'll be finishing up Yakuza 0. And then probably the week after that, I think I'm going to start doing uh, Rocksmith. Oh. Uh, playing, playing bass for a little bit. I gotta, I gotta shake the rust off and and get good again. So that, I thought that'd be a fun way to to do that. Did you say again? What do you mean?
1: You said you have to get good again? Oh man, that that,
2: that really hurts. <laughs> Stick brain. I'll have you know, I was a touring musician in a really cheesy Christian pop rock band in 2012. Dagnabbit! I believe it.
1: I believe it. Back when yeah,
2: those middle school girls loved my music. So take oh, it boy. easy. Yeah. Oh boy,
1: where do we go from here?
2: Well, you know, I think probably the best place to go would be, I don't know, Steven telling us about Minecraft. Yep, that's right. Still playing Minecraft, but instead of playing on
0: the realm that I've been playing, a friend of the show, Caleb, and I have been playing on a server that has a skyblock. And if you're not aware of what skyblock is, you essentially get dropped off on a really small island in the sky. There's almost no resources. You've got like a few seeds maybe a cobblestone generator and like a tree and you have a quest uh that you have to complete of like planting certain number of plants getting all this wood and then all of a sudden the island starts expanding and you get like a second biome and a third biome and so it's like it's like playing an rpg almost in minecraft we are currently I want to say we just unlocked our seventh island and I think there are nine or 10 in the overworld and there's going to be some in the nether and eventually some in the end. And so basically every night for probably about an hour and a half, two hours, we've been just grinding it out on this Minecraft server. Sweet. Yeah. Been enjoying it a lot. It uh, is more gaming than I've been doing in a long time,
1: really. (laughs) Oh wow. Well it's fun that you get to do it with friends as well. I wish friends played my game. I wish Adam would ask me to play a game with him that he liked.
2: Oh, you mean like Torchlight 2? Do you wanna play? No.
0: Dang it. All right. Well now that we know uh what we're all playing, uh Greg, do you wanna jump into the news?
1: Yeah, definitely. We we have uh we have a lot of news. <laughs> coming out at least news that i'm excited about we have the uh first of a few uh they said xbox conferences that happened earlier this week so they announced a bunch of new games that are coming out and i would say there's a huge long list i think the one that i'm the most intrigued about for me would be fable i think what is most interesting about this is that they're all going to eventually be on game pass when they release so that's huge news i i think Xbox is positioning itself really strategically and really competitively here. And it's, it's just giving gamers more reasons than not to get their system over PlayStation. It'll be really interesting to see how PlayStation responds to all of this stuff. Uh, and Xbox did have... Uh, they did say that they're coming with more conferences to come. So they're going to continue to fill us in on more details as we get closer. And and I mean, I would say from just a PR perspective, I think that they're winning just in the sense of like being more communicative with fans than, than Sony is. But I still do think that the camps are pretty entrenched. Um, it's, there's not many people that are like me that are like uh, kind of open to going either direction on consoles and figuring out which one that they want to get in the new era. And I still think I probably will wait a while personally until I get a new console. So for me, none of the games were like mind blowing. Steve, you might have a different opinion. Was there one or two in particular that really stood out to you that you're excited about?
0: I mean, I'm always excited about Halo. Uh, Halo was how my wife and I basically met and started dating. So that's always going to be close to home for me. I'm really excited about Psychonauts 2. The first Psychonauts was amazing and Double Fine puts out some of the most like entertaining and also they they take risks a lot with the games that they put out. They put out games that other studios would never do because they couldn't get funding for or because they're just so out there that it doesn't seem like it's something that would ever be mainstream. And I just really
1: like what they do. Sure. Yeah. I think... Uh, You know, for Xbox fans, there's a lot to be excited about, for sure, with news that's coming out. A couple other quick notes. Uh, Friend of the show, Animal Crossing, is doing another update where they're adding fireworks, a Dream World, island backups via the cloud. Cuphead has returned from the nether, uh, and as of recording today is now on the PS4, and there's still conversations of DLC that, that is coming soon. And then in the tabletop world, since we just did an episode a few times ago on D&D, they're doing a new collector's edition of The Curse of Strahd, which is a, a pretty notable, I guess, uh, campaign in the D&D universe that's supposed to be really fun. I know that, Steve, we've played elements of it in, in our sessions before, what I found interesting about this, so it originally was published and, and put out in 2016, according to an IGN article, and they're redoing this mostly because of some what how D and D noted it being reductive tropes. So this is a whole rabbit trail that I don't want to go down to, but I I just think it's it's interesting as you read about all of this that um, there's been a lot of conversation with Wizards of the Coast in trying to write. Uh, as they would put it, right the ship in some of the tropes that they've had in their universe, and I, it's it's just notable to me that as of four years ago, uh, there were things that they now would call reductive. So there's a lot of conversation we could have on that, but I just thought that that was kind of an interesting note out of this collector's edition, and it looks like that's what really prompted them doing this so um, it'll be interesting to see how this new one does and what some of the changes are when it comes out one other huge gaming world note would be the nintendo giga leak so um, there's speculation on who this this person was but essentially there were some massive leaks of master roms games in beta versions, there's there's photos going around of like a basically a beta Yoshi before the final version of his design. Games from Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64, major games, some of these old files have been leaked and are now out into the public. And, and I think that this is interesting for someone who is, especially people who are gaming speedrunners or programmers. So sort of like uh, if you're a programmer to reverse engineer and, and really take that opportunity to learn not that I'm telling you to download illegal files but if they happened to show up on your computer then that could be an interesting thing I, I think that there, there could be some videos and that could come out of this for people that are trying to learn how to create games and program games and then also for speedrunners trying to find glitches that that they weren't aware of before apparently this is an easier way to, f- to find those. So it'll be interesting to see if there are more uh, in the pipeline and what else comes out of this. I'm very interested in Super Mario RPG apparently has a alternative ending. Curious to see what some of those are. My bet is we ended up with the correct version, but uh, I love that game, which we'll talk about more today. And then lastly, the thing that I'm most excited about more information on is that G4 TV is coming back, boys. I had a lot of good memories of G4 TV, Attack the Show, X-Play, all of the hosts. It was a really, really, really big part of really my college years. I watched a lot of that channel. And so it'll be interesting to see. We don't know much. Uh, they they basically just brushed the dust off of their old social media accounts and said, essentially, hey, we're still here. We're coming back, 2021. So they're gonna be doing some Reddit AMAs uh, with more information here in the coming days. So it will be interesting to see if they go with traditional media on this, if they have a TV channel, or my guess is it'll be more of a streaming platform that they're that they're relaunching. But it sounds like a lot of the old names are back onto the boat, and I'm sure that they'll introduce some new names as well. So a lot going on in gaming news. Adam, how about those deals?
2: Yeah, I mean, as big as this time is for news there's also lots of lots of deals coming out as well. Um obviously we got our weekly Xbox deals including Chess Ultra, if you like sports ball, Madden NFL 20, uh the outer wilds. Not to be confused with the outer worlds. Um, really great game that performed well critically from from last year, I believe. Uh, screen Sheet Slime Rancher. If you're into uh, kind of a kind of a I don't know Minecraft farming type game, a little more chill vibes from from Slime Rancher. There's also a big PlayStation summer sale, including FIFA 20, which is a sports ball game. Uh, Witcher 3, which is a big open world RPG. Some people say one of the best games of this generation. Uh, Super Hot, which is really cool. puzzle Ask first-person shooter. Uh, Crash Team Racing. And the legendary Spyro Reignited Trilogy, which is one that I definitely missed uh, the original games growing up. I need to circle back around and, and maybe check those out. Uh, the the PlayStation Plus games for August got announced, uh, which include Modern Warfare Two, which uh, is a first person shooter game that I will never play probably, and Fall Guys, which is actually a day one day one release for for PlayStation Plus. Uh, Xbox games with gold: Portal Knights, Override, Mech City Brawl, MX Unleashed, Red Faction Two. I'm not really familiar with any of those. You guys ever played? You guys played Red Faction 2? That was a popular game, right?
0: Yeah, Red Faction 2 is big. All the Red Factions on like PS2 days and stuff were really big. And then Portal Knights is kind of, it's not a Minecraft clone, but it's it's like a, I don't even know how to describe it, basically. It, It feels like you're in Minecraft, you're still crafting things, you're still fighting enemies, but it's a lot more RPG based than what Minecraft is. And it's better graphics, but still in like a cubic
2: universe. Okay, fun. And then as of the time of this recording, or actually when this comes out, you should be able to hop on over to Epic Game Store and pick up a few free games for the week. Uh, My pick there is Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery, kind of pixel aesthetic indie game that is somewhat reminiscent of like um, Another World or Flashback, kind of those like 2D adventure games from a bygone era. Those, are, That's a, a really cool game with a great soundtrack that you should consider checking out. Uh, that's really all I have for deals this week. Um, Steve, what are some upcoming releases?
0: Yeah, August 4th, we've got a game called Scully. It's coming out on Switch, Xbox, PS4, and PC. And it's an adventure platformer. And it looks like, based on like the trailer, it looks like you can turn into almost like a marble-like skull and move around that way, as well as being like a normal video game character jumping onto platforms so i'm really interested to see how that all plays out and what kind of areas you can get through through rolling versus like the normal being a clunky jumper also on august 4th uh you already mentioned it once adam but fall guys comes out and if you have the ps4 then it's going to be free on ps plus otherwise it's also on pc And that's an action party game that reminds me a lot of Gang Beasts, if you've ever played that, published by Double Fine Studios. On August 6th, we've got Instant Sports Summer Games. It's coming out on Switch, and I mean, it's huge Wii Sports vibes. It comes with 11 different sports. I'm definitely going to keep this one on my radar to see if it's anything at all as good as Wii Sports, because I really miss some of those games. And I think it'd be fun sort of just as my son grows up to have him try out a lot of these games on the Switch. Can
1: we agree that it sounds like Adam named that game? (laughs) Yeah. The only thing that would make it more so would be if it was instant sports ball, summer games of sports. Exactly.
0: Uh also on August 6th, we've got Madden NFL 21 is coming to mobile. It's gonna be on iOS and Android. I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this because like I guess if you have a controller and you're doing it, it makes sense because I know people play Fortnite on on their phones and like phones have controller support, but I, I honestly, in my opinion, this is probably going to be horrible for me to say. I think that like games need to actually be separated between mobile, PC, and console. Like maybe crossover between PC and console, depending on the type. Uh, with the exception of FPSs, because how are you going to beat a keyboard and mouse? But totally, so many of these games coming to mobile. I just I don't think it's a good idea.
1: I agree.
2: Do you think that the um inclu- like the Xbox cloud gaming services complicate that relationship at all
0: what do you mean by complicated
2: well i mean you're going to be able to play triple a games on your phone with a controller
0: yeah yeah i i mean i'm not going to do that the only ones that i would do on from xbox are like If there are card games like my Lord of the Rings uh, adventure card game, I think that's perfect for mobile if it has touch controls, because it's like playing Hearthstone. Games like that, I feel like I could see myself doing on the phone because they just feel more touch-based. But I already don't hook up my controller to my phone because I've got a gaming PC and I've got an Xbox and a Switch. Like, I, I, I guess if you are not going to shell out any money at all for a pc or a console yeah i I guess it makes sense but at that point it's like just why not get the powerful thing that's probably not even going to cost a lot of money it's probably going to cost a third of what your phone
2: costs yeah well that's coming from like adults with jobs who can buy things with our discretionary funds Like this is probably like for kids you know especially something like madden nfl 21 no grown adult is going to that as like their first choice they may play it on the go you know for the novelty of it but this is like probably something that you'll see a bunch of middle school boys playing yeah i guess i could see that anyways enough of that tangent you got any other upcoming releases
0: yeah also on august 6th we've got eternal hope coming out on xbox and pc And this is a side-scrolling adventure silhouette-style game that has a lot of vibes of Limbo, if you've ever played that from uh, Playdead. On August 14th, we've got from EA Sports, we've got UFC 4 coming out on Xbox and PS4. I actually really thought that this was a PC game as well, but I guess not. I thought EA was slowly porting everything that they've been doing onto PC, Um, so it's kind of shocking that it's not coming out there, but... I am excited about UFC 4. I skipped 2 and 3, but I used to play the first one a lot on PS3. And the last thing, in tabletop release news on August 14th, we have Infinity Gauntlet, a Love Letter game from Z-Man Games. And if you've ever played Love Letter... The original love letter, the idea is you're trying to get your love letter as close to this princess as possible in order to like win her affection. And in doing this for the gameplay, you have one card, you draw a card, you play a card, and you're trying to either knock the other players out or stay alive with the highest card that you can for the end of the game. I'm really excited to see how the Marvel Universe is going to play into this. I do see that it's two to six players, which Love Letters is typically two to four. So I'm also excited to see there's got to be extra cards or different mechanics from the base game. So really stoked for that.
2: Is now a bad time to release a tabletop game? I would say no. Just thinking
0: about like this is a family style game. It's one that it's easy for kids probably as young as like seven to play so if you're first off if you have roommates already you can play it or if you're a mom a dad and a kid or two boom you can play it as well and you're all living in the same household so i feel like this would be good you've got amazon that'll deliver it to your door
2: so maybe now's the perfect time to get into something like this if you're cooped up with your kids yeah and it keeps you away from screen time oh love it awesome
0: well, that's all I've got. I looked everywhere for any sort of book release news for within the gaming realm. Could not find anything. Amazon was trashed today with how they let me sort everything. So uh, yeah, let's get on with the rest of our show.
2: Cool. Well, this week we're going to be talking about the fourth console generation, which we might as well just call the 16-bit generation, which is probably where most of us really got into video games and for the most part we'll be talking about two major consoles there were there were others including like the TurboGrafx-16 and the Neo Geo which were popular in places but maybe not in the circles that we were running in as kids Uh, for us we mostly would have been really familiar with the Sega Genesis which was released in 1988 in Japan and came to North America in 1989 and sold in its lifetime 30.75 million units. And arguably the the winner of the 16-bit console wars would be the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, which, which actually came out a little bit later in 1990 in Japan and North America in 91 and sold 49.1 million units. I think it's helpful to keep in mind the kind of cultural uh, milieu of the early to mid '90s within which this console war took place. We had just come off of the video game crash of the of '83, and Nintendo almost single handedly revived the video game market in the United States. Uh, and then you have Sega Genesis deciding they're going to come in strong early with the 16-bit console and and really uh, leaning into attitude marketing. Uh, and this was not just a video game thing. If you go back and watch commercials for toys or snacks that were marketed mostly toward children uh, in the early 90s, they have a really distinctive vibe to them. There's probably nothing that typifies that more than the marketing slogan of, of the Sega Genesis at the time, which was, Genesis does what Nintendo don't. Do you guys buy into the whole attitude marketing thing were you were you guys rad when you were little i i mean i didn't totally
0: buy into it
2: i i did see
0: them as different types of consoles i felt like the sega genesis was a lot more let's say gritty had a lot more titles that maybe my mom didn't want me playing versus super nintendo where you knew it was always going to be family friendly even with Mortal Kombat, because they refused to even put blood on the console.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I, and I think from a marketing perspective, you know, you can find YouTube videos of like parodies of 90s commercials and stuff like that. It very much was a, I think it was the start of what has be, has gotten to be a little bit more refined of super bright colors, loud, obnoxious, abrupt noises, um, you know, announcers that are yelling, uh, I think of like crossfire You know, everybody who was young at that time still can probably sing that song. It was just very in your face, and I am nostalgic in remembering those sort of things. Um, And it's sort of like, oh man, they just don't make cartoons like they used to. Like Ren and Stimpy, you know, was very gross and colorful and sort of shocking, but still passed as a kid show. But I think it's, it, again, it's still around. It's still the foundation of even marketing today, but it's just, it's more refined and more subtle. I've been thinking about that even just watching kids shows today with my son, who's two and a half. And like, they're similar, you know, like I can't show him a really old Disney movie because he gets really bored. Uh, he wants to see a Pixar movie or, you know, and like uh, Paw Patrol or something that is similar to the shows we grew up with is it's loud, it's engaging, there's noises, there's constant action and in camera changes. And that's sort of what we grew up with. So, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't buy into the the competition between the two consoles. It was actually kind of the one console generation where I ended up with both consoles over the course of years. And I liked both for different reasons, but I would resonate with you, Steve, that the Genesis was for sure had more games that were darker, grittier, and my mom probably would not have approved of all the games.
2: Which consoles did you guys have? Because Greg, you mentioned that you ended up with both. Stephen, did you have both a Genesis and a Super Nintendo?
0: I personally did not own both. For a while, my family were living with uh, my aunt and uncle and cousins, and they had a Super Nintendo, so I had access to it then. And when we moved out, we ended up moving, and they ended up moving as well, and we were maybe three houses away from each other. And so, I mean, even though I didn't personally own it, I was over there multiple times every single week playing the Super Nintendo. So I had, I mean, I, I basically owned it.
1: Yeah, I started with the Super Nintendo. I had gotten that a couple of years. I mean, it was both of these. I had. I actually didn't realize that the Genesis came out in nineteen eighty eight. I probably got the Genesis like three or four, maybe even five years then after it came out in the U.S. It was mid nineties for me, but um, I'd gotten the Super Nintendo first, so um, I didn't own many games on either system. It was basically just I would rent games on the weekends, and so I was able to play through a ton of games.
2: Yeah, I had a Sega Genesis that I think I got for Christmas in like 92. It was whatever bundle they put out that had the the console and a copy of Sonic 1. And like you, I, I didn't have a ton of games either, uh, but we, we collected a few over... Over time, and for some reason, like my friend group was more Sega Genesis than Super Nintendo, so I would occasionally borrow a game from someone, uh, and and that kind of expanded my horizons a little bit as well. But I didn't actually touch any of the Super Nintendo games till, gosh, probably years and years later, maybe even close to a decade, uh, when I discovered emulation. Uh, before we all learned that that was not okay, I guess.
1: Well, it's at least illegal.
2: Right. Well, morality aside. Sure, sure. Technically not illegal to emulate just to rip ROMs and distribute them online, but that's splitting hairs. Fair enough.
1: Yeah, I think the Super Nintendo is still, for whatever reason, it's the system. It's probably my favorite system of all time, purely just from like memories around the system and games that were on there. I couldn't make a quantitative argument that it is the superior console ever made. And certainly I don't think it would win, but I just, there were so many story games on the Super Nintendo that really drew me in. And they were some of the first games I can remember like playing through to completion and, and being really drawn into the stories, into the characters in ways that the Genesis didn't. I I mean, my experience of the Genesis was way more platformers and, and action type games that didn't have save spots. So they were more difficult. But my memories of like Super Nintendo was way more long campaign story driven type games. Certainly they both had both types of games. But the ones that I tended to play more on Super Nintendo were the ones with stories and save points and and really deep, rich story experiences.
2: Right. And I think that's a, a fairly common Kind of experience. Like we talked in our last episode about how the first two console generations, and and to a large degree, even the 8 bit generation, was chasing the arcade experience in the home. And we started to see kind of at the heart or maybe the height of the 8 bit generation was some early examples of games that had more substance to them games that weren't just a recreation of an arcade experience that you would pump quarters into. You know, you had early console RPG franchises like Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest that would blossom by the 16-bit generation into these really, uh, really expansive and even in some cases really moving video game experiences. And to me, that's why the 16-bit generation is so special because, you know, yeah, there are still some uh, arcade games that are getting ported to Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, but there was a willingness to to make bigger games, especially because the technology allowed for it. But I think you're exactly right that, in my mind at least, I associate that with with the Super Nintendo. And that probably has something to do with the fact that Sega Genesis, uh, not Sega Genesis, but Sega the company, was, was perhaps first and foremost an arcade company. Like, they built the uh, Sega Master System System, their their first console out of uh, components it was a, a simplified uh, recreation of some of their arcade hardware it was based on arcade hardware and the the Genesis I would was different in that regard it wasn't supposed to be just a, an arcade box but that was their their lineage and so you saw a lot of arcade experiences I know they, They really pushed and touted their whole like blast processing technology, uh, which was probably just a a, kind of a made up buzzword, but certainly made the Sega Genesis seem like the faster consoles like this thing's way more powerful. has blast processing. I would love to, by the end of this podcast, come to a, a, a conclusion as to which one of these we think is better out of the two Um, We can argue about that. But I think when it comes down to it, the thing that makes one console better or maybe more significant is the quality of the games themselves. So let's, I'm looking at our list here. We got a ton of games on here. What are games that you guys have fond memories of from the 16-bit generation?
0: Yeah, my list, I actually didn't realize I made a list so long, but I've got the Sonic games of note. The most notable for me was number two out of one, two, and three, as well as Spinball. Two and Spinball are the two games that I spent so much time in. Number two, even though they didn't really have a co-op, they kind of did where on the second controller, somebody can control Tails and kind of distract some of the enemies and you just kind of assist the uh, main person. And so that was my mom. She would jump in as Tails as I was playing as Sonic. I just remember that being a great experience doing that together. Zombies Ate My Neighbors, I loved that actually started my whole uh, just addiction to everything zombies. There was Vector Man on the Genesis that I played a lot of where you were like this vector-like guy. who was like a bunch of orbs all over his body and you would pick up power-ups and you would transform into like these things like helicopters and other items. Golden Axe, which actually started getting me into fantasy and led into me watching movies like Willow.
1: That was a great game, Golden Axe. Yeah,
0: I loved it. And that one, I want to say that you could play two or three players on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was like the original Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat 2. Never really played three, but those first two I played a lot. And I can remember times getting into trouble because there's no pause feature in that game. And so my mom would be like, hey, like, I need you to take out the trash now. And I'm like in the middle of like this epic battle and fighting like maybe goro or somebody like super far into the game and it's just like what do i do do i get into trouble and actually beat this game or do i purposely lose because i can't pause the game road rash was another big one i played that on the genesis and i want to say i also was able to hook it up onto my 32x which is like an insert that you could put in your genesis to like upscale a lot of the graphics but that was a racing game where you could have like nunchucks and whips and like you were like just attacking the other drivers that are around as you're racing it was it was almost like think mario kart but they want it to feel like it's for teenagers and they want it to be aggressive
2: yeah road rash is amazing i have some some fond memories of those motorcycle races and like just trying to trying to punch cops off of their motorcycles which i don't know uh, maybe maybe we got to bring it back i bet that'd be popular right now under the under the current under the current uh, cultural climate, but we we used to think that if we could punch a cop off of a, a motorcycle, we could steal his bike, which I'm pretty sure is not actually possible. But you know that was the era of like fake video game secrets, where uh, you'd hear things on the playground, and, and most of it was complete nonsense. But uh, I mean, there was the the hype cycle uh, in the pre-internet days, and the, you mentioned the Sega Genesis or the Sega 32X. What a what a strange idea for a product, like a thing that you would just slap onto the top of your your Genesis to expand it from a 16-bit console to a 32-bit console. That was actually a product that was developed and kind of pushed pretty heavily by Sega of America, while Sega of Japan was working on the the, the follow-up to the Genesis, the, the Saturn. And of course, splitting your your product development cycle into into two competing things is like it's no wonder that that product didn't work and and neither did their their follow-up rip sega yeah yeah they're they're gone i mean they're well not completely gone they're they're not making consoles anymore unless you want to buy one of those tiny little uh game gear micros that they just put out which is weird i had a big game gear phase too you did
1: oh yeah yeah
2: that's the only I've played Sonic. Wow. I thought Game Gears were for rich kids who could have like just a, a, a battery budget necessary to play those games. Well, legitimately.
1: Yeah. They took like it was like eight batteries, I think. Yeah. And I only had a few games for it. But yeah, I I definitely wasn't a rich kid, but I was an only child. <laughs> so it could be one and the same.
2: Yeah, I had a I had a rich uh, friend well, he was an only child, so maybe not rich, but he had a Game Gear, and we were way into the Sonic the Hedgehog comic books. Did you guys ever read any of those? I didn't.
0: No, didn't even know they existed.
2: Oh man, that is like such a strong memory for me. Like the, you know, being someone who didn't have a ton of games, but like imagined myself in those worlds all the time. Reading the uh, the comic books for that the Archie Comics Sonic comic books were amazing. They like expanded the story from these games into well like an actual story. I, I loved the those Sonic games. Even Spot, Sonic Spinball, which is arguably uh, a a technical disaster, it runs at like 15 frames a second in some places, but I definitely have some really fond memories of of playing Sonic Spinball with my neighbor and actually, like the first time that we ever beat that game, maybe the only time we ever beat that game, we actually had to like call my dad into the room and have him play the last stage for us. And like my uh, my neighbor friend Nick and my little brother and I were like crowded around this little 19 inch TV in the corner of of our bedroom playing the last level of Sonic Spinball, and we just went absolutely ballistic when we hit when we hit uh, a Robotnik for the last time. I never, I I don't think I've ever gone that crazy. Uh, at the end of a video game ever but man sonic spinball that's
1: how i was with the lion king on the the genesis version i'd always had to have my mom get me past the like there's like a waterfall section in the hakuna matata like area where you have to jump between the logs that i could never get oh yeah and i always i always had to have my cousins get me past the like hyena section it was a
2: very difficult game it was
1: yeah we digress though steve what were some of your other big games that like super nintendo you played some on there too
0: so, I mean, the big one—the one that still holds up today—is arguably top five games of all time. Super Mario World. Never heard of it. Yeah, I hate you. It, I mean, honestly, I—I'm I, going to skip ahead. Super Nintendo definitely wins it for me. I think that right now, if you went back and played like the top twenty games on Genesis and top twenty games on. Super Nintendo, a lot of the Genesis games are going to feel super aged, they're not going to look as good. Um, But Super Nintendo games, I think that because like how they chose to do their art style and the way that they focused on like actual like play versus just kind of putting together a recreation of some other game or some other style, like I think that those made them unique enough that even today, they're still fun to play.
1: I mean, I would agree. Yeah, I, I, I think my lot would be cast for Super Nintendo as well. But I do think, at least in the scheme of, of our competitions of consoles, it really there's a heavy weight to nostalgia. So I didn't know which way you were going to land, Steve. But yeah, I mean, I would say Super Nintendo as well. And uh, My guess is, Adam, you'd pick Genesis. Spoiler alert. Well, you'll maybe want we'll to find
2: out.
0: Real quick, one of the things that Greg had mentioned earlier was with the Genesis, you, you could never save the game. I don't know what Super Nintendo did to enable saving, but Genesis didn't get the memo. And so you would, after completing a stage, they would give you like a four-digit code or it would be like four pictures of random objects. And you, whenever you entered the main menu, there would be like an option for like a level select and you would have to type in the code. And so I just had so many notebooks full of just different codes that I've written down with like what level it would get you to. And so I did that with Zombies Ate My Neighbors. I did that pretty sure with Vector man did it with Pack Attack, I did it with Tiny Toons, Acme All Stars, like every single game that I played because there was no sort of memory card or anything like that, I would have just these codes to remember where I was last.
1: I had totally forgotten about that, but yeah, that was a very distinct thing about the Genesis that uh I I'm having a hard, I'm I, I'm having a hard time remembering any instance of that on the Super Nintendo. I'm sure it happened
2: somewhere, but Well, the so the whole save thing was was a, a function of a of a tiny little battery that you would put inside of these uh game cartridges, and that technology was around even even back in the uh the original eight-bit Nintendo days, it just was a little bit more expensive to build a game around, uh, like a like a battery, uh, a battery save is what they would call it, and then that was possible in the Sega Genesis as well. There are a couple of games that I remember uh, playing that would save your progress of, of some kind, but I'm I'm guessing it was probably more prevalent on Super Nintendo because of Nintendo's really strict quality controls yeah which you know was not a thing for sega i mean they didn't like one of the things that they did to try to push themselves ahead of nintendo at the time was to not try to be as monopolistic with their approach to to video games and to some degree i think it worked out but then you uh then you have these limitations like front you know letting any company make a game and you know they'll try to cut costs by putting in a password system instead of a save battery
1: Yeah totally I mean Steve I think you touched on a lot of the games that I similarly had some uh, some memories with but for me some of the standout games from Genesis. What I think the game that I put the most amount of time into was Batman Forever. Did you guys ever play that one?
2: Yes. That game was incredibly difficult. It was very hard,
1: but so friend of the show, Will Aguilar, uh, has been my longest friend. Like we, we became friends one day. Uh, I came, he lived across the street from our school and I, his mom still tells the story of like the way that him and I became friends was I walked home from school with him one day and I introduced myself and I said, Hey, I'm Greg. I'm Will's best friend. I think Will was kind of like, Oh, um, okay. I guess, yeah, I guess we're best friends now. But him and I have a lot of gaming memories too, but we both loved that period around Batman forever. There was like a lot of promotions for it. And we were of the age, we basically created superhero personas for ourselves and drew our costumes and all the different gadgets we had and our secret hideout and all this stuff. So I played a lot of Batman forever on Genesis because of that. I also played Clue. Did you guys play Clue on the Genesis? No, oh. not on the Genesis. It was so interesting to me, even as a kid, that there were board games on a console and it played decently well. I mean, I I, I would play it with my mom at times and um, I remember that being fun. And then the th- the third most memorable game for me, just because this is the, th- I think I only owned these three games and then the rest were all rentals, but Mighty Max, do you guys remember Mighty Max? It was like a cartoon
2: show. I remember the, the toys, like it was basically like Polly Pocket for boys.
1: Exactly. It was the Polly Pocket version for for boys at the time and so they had a cartoon show and then they had a video game franchise because of course they had to because of marketing i don't really remember much of anything from that game i just remember the cover of the game but um i played almost all of the disney games on sega which i think that they were more difficult on genesis i don't remember for sure but lion king aladdin pocahontas um i played the page master ah real monsters jurassic park power rangers Pretty much anything that had like a, a Hollywood franchise, I probably played it. And it was probably on the Genesis. Um, Shaq Fu, I remember that game, playing that. I played a lot of Ren and Stimpy. There was a few Ren and Stimpy games that I played with with my buddy Will that I mentioned. Um, but one of the standouts in particular for me on the Genesis was Scooby-Doo Mystery which was, it's probably the one and only puzzle game that I've ever played, uh, let alone played to completion. I was so, I was so dedicated to solving that game, but it was so frustrating because it was, there was not really a lot of directions of like what to do or how to solve the cases. There was two different cases you had to solve. So um, those, those were a lot of fun. I played some of the Marvel games. Hold on, hold on. on.
0: Did you say like, that's the only puzzle game you had played up to that time or in this generation or like Ever. Ever. like still like still to this day
1: i i played portal does that count i,
0: I mean yeah yeah it definitely counts but it, you're making it seem like maybe the you've played two puzzle games ever then
1: i think oh my what are they? yeah no i just don't i just they're not <laughs> they're not as interesting uh to me i like the action of rpgs or platformers you know back then i don't i don't really play platformers now but I just, yeah, I think the next puzzle game after Scooby Doo Mystery that I had tried was missed on, <laughs> on a PC, and I had no idea what was going on, and I just have not really been interested since. Yeah, uh, you never played Tetris or Columns or Ah, sure, I played Tetris, but yeah, those,
0: those aren't really puzzles. It's it's different.
1: Yeah, I would I would call it more of like a a mystery type game that you're trying to solve different puzzles
2: for an overarching narrative kind of thing. So like we, do we, we call those, uh, like adventure games, like PC style adventure games. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I haven't played those either. Wow. So never, you've never played like, I don't know, Maniac Mansion or, or any of the telltale games.
1: I have played the Wolf Among Us and I loved it. I tried the Walking Dead multiple different, even chapters, and it was just not, not interesting to me. Yeah. All right, I'm going
0: to really quickly just do a few high up puzzle games and just at the end, tell me if you've played any of them. So we got Monument Valley, The Witness, The Room, Talos Principle. Uh, I know you already said Portal, so I'll say Portal 2, Limbo, Inside, Monument Valley 2, Braid, Mini Metro,
1: Fez, Zero. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I would be curious... For you, dear listener, please reach out because they're going to continue to beat me over the head with these. But I would say that they're not the mainstream average game player plays those. I think that they're a little bit more niche and it just happens that we have a podcast with two guys who are very into those games. And I am very average in all respects. So I just haven't played them. But maybe I'm wrong, listener. Reach out and tell us who wins this debate so we can put it to rest forever and I can get them off my back. So that was the genesis for me. So Steve, that's where you get your one win, Scooby-Doo Mystery. In terms of Super Nintendo, I had a lot more memories on there. I played all the Sim games that were on it, Sim Earth, Sim City, Sim Ant. I had no idea what I was doing in Sim Earth. But I do remember spending a lot of time on it. Um, I played some of the other Disney games on that one. Goof Troop, Toy Story. NBA Jam was a huge one for me. So was the Super Star Wars series. I was a Killer Instinct guy uh, because I wasn't allowed to play Mortal Kombat. So I just played Killer Instinct instead. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. um, There was a game that my across the street neighbor and friend of the show, Josh, uh, introduced me to called EVO. Evo. Have you guys heard of that game?
2: Yeah, that game's awesome. Kind of, it's very obscure actually.
1: Yeah, not many people have heard of it, but essentially the the take is like you are, you are and your character basically evolves throughout the course of the game. And there's a bunch of different paths where you can you can kind of guide the evolution of your character throughout the game and increase in certain types of powers. A very very fun game. I think that one would be worth going back and playing. Uh, along with like Chrono Trigger, um, the Super Star Wars games, obviously Super Mario World, uh, Zelda. Breath of Fire, Adam, was my first introduction to JRPGs. uh, And I had a lot of good memories with my cousin, Matt, uh, on that game but my number one game of all time on my personal list and the number one nostalgia game for me from that system was Super Mario RPG. A lot of good memories spending time playing that game, reading every Nintendo Power that had anything to do with it. Yeah, uh, that was that was a a defining game for me around when however old I was when when I played that. Adam, what about you?
2: Yeah, growing up I only ever had the Sega Genesis, so I only was really tapped into that world. I had a few friends who had Super Nintendo games and they did look awesome. I mean, I was jealous of some of the games that they had, but by and large, they seemed like more slow paced uh, games. And, you know, now looking back on it, I really enjoy those kind of games. But at the time, like the Sega Genesis to me seemed like the the cream of the crop that was where the the cool stuff was i mean we mentioned sonic the hedgehog one two and three it would be remiss if we didn't mention the sonic and knuckles game with its lock on technology where you could uh like put your sonic the hedgehog three on top of your sonic and knuckles cartridge and they would like connect and you could play knuckles through sonic 3 and actually it worked with sonic 2 as well which was also awesome none neither of you mentioned streets of rage which is like an amazing side-scrolling beat-em-up game Actually, I think this console generation was probably the height, the climax of that genre. Because you know after, after this generation, spoiler warning, we kind of get away from 2D games and, and, uh, and sprite-based pixel art uh, for a long time. And, and that's where um, games like Sonic the Hedgehog or Streets of Rage uh, really shined. Streets of Rage 1 and 2 have incredible soundtracks uh, that I highly recommend by Yuzo Koshiro. Greg, you mentioned Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the Super Nintendo. There was like a weird kind of uh Sega Genesis version of that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game called uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Hyperstone Heist, which I played over at my buddy's house and we we beat that and it was amazing. And probably my maybe one of my favorite Sega Genesis games ever is this obscure uh RPG called Buck Rogers and the Countdown to Doomsday, which is a very strange port of a pc rpg uh made by ssi the people who made all of the pc dungeons and dragons games uh, and, and buck rogers was basically D in space with weird like like a, a very 50s version of the of outer space with lasers and and like laser swords because you can't have things called lightsabers because that's copyright infringement but th- that that might have been my first ever role playing game and i didn't understand it when i first played it uh it took me a while to like figure out how the rule set worked just from playing the game and trying to read about it you know again we're like really at the early days of the internet you know where i would have had to ask my parents permission to to dial up on our one phone line and, and very slowly try to find out how to actually play this game. Like back then we just, we just figured out how to play the game through trial and error. Um, and I guess to bring it back around to the question of which one of these consoles is better, this, may seem surprising, but I would probably say that Super Nintendo is my favorite 16-bit console for exactly the reasons that Steve mentioned. Like, if I were to go back to the games that I loved from Sega Genesis, as much as I have these amazing memories of, of playing Streets of Rage and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Sonic Spinball, like, they were trying to do something that was cutting edge at the time and maybe didn't have the same staying power that's something like a chrono trigger or you know I, I'm, I'm playing through final fantasy 6 for the first time right now you know there's no nostalgia glasses for me on that game and it's it's amazing like if you haven't played final fantasy 6 like that's a game that still holds up from the super nintendo it's if you are a, a japanese role-playing game fan like i have become over the years you could make a very strong argument that super nintendo is if not the greatest example of a, of a JRPG machine, then certainly like uh, the progenitor, the grandfather of, of the, the JRPG genre. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, I think this generation, the 16-bit generation, is where it begins for me. It's where I look back and and have these fond memories, and I still love those games. And I think a lot of them still hold up and are worth checking out.
1: Well, it looks like we're in agreement then. So the Super Nintendo wins this generation. I do think it is noteworthy that in pretty universally most top games of all time lists, you will find Super Nintendo games. You're a lot harder pressed to find uh, Genesis games. So I agree, it was probably more of the Genesis was more of a console of the times and a direct competitor at the time. But over the course of history which is weird <laughs> to say but uh over the course of time i think the super nintendo has stood up more cuz i agree i mean i i still i just started a few weekends ago to start to slowly introduce my son to gaming and he will start on the super nintendo cuz i don't want him to get spoiled by jumping straight to <laughs> like a switch or something like that um i want him to have to work through it uh he doesn't know what's going on right now but he is he's intrigued so those games are still fun to play Uh, It's it's crazy that they did such a great job in a way that I'm not sure that any console since I don't know if there will be as much staying power because I think when you're at the the ceiling of the 2D graphics, you know, we can look back and be like, well, yeah, but we didn't play this game for the graphics. Like it's 2D, um, even if it's the overworld sort of third person perspective, as opposed to a side, uh, side scroller, we know, like, we're not looking at that game for graphics. Whereas if we start going back to Xbox games, PlayStation games, you know, try to play the original Tomb Raider now, woof, uh, it's pretty rough it's it's hard to play some of those old games that were the sort of beginnings of 3D gaming even if the story elements were decent.
2: Yeah, that'll make for an interesting debate next week uh or for our next episode that is when we when we get into the the fifth console generation and talk about some of those early 3D games because you're right, it's uh there's definitely a shift in thinking that happens between this console generation and the next one. Yeah, did we have a winner for the first episode? I Think there was a clear winner with
1: in that there was only really one console that we talked about yeah <laughs> yeah
0: so so we're saying nintendo is two for two
1: they're sweeping so far yep. yeah
0: just you wait for the dreamcast <laughs> yeah that seems like a fair place to stop for the week i agree so this is the end of our episode everybody next time we will be moving on to another generation of console history if you liked this. Make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can do that. Not sure. I don't know what platform you use, but uh, just keep downloading our episodes and uh, reach out to us via anchor.fm slash d dice rolls. If you're like Greg and you typically don't play puzzle games, you should check out a puzzle game that I recently made. It currently doesn't really have a name. I just put it as cat mouse, but it is at sddubs.github.io slash cat dash mouse and SD dubs that is Echo Sierra Delta India Delta uniform Bravo Sierra for the spelling (laughs) on that (laughs) yep tomorrow check out Adam playing on uh, his medium underscore quality twitch stream uh, finishing up Yakuza zero right yep yeah yeah and uh, and then hopefully some Rocksmith in the future though I don't exactly know how that works with music and streaming rights and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, check them out. Uh, thanks again for listening to us and uh, we'll see you next time.
2: Goodbye.
1: See ya.